Hello, and welcome back to episode 10 of The Youthful Take. My name is Jack Salford. I'm Sam Greenberg. And we are here to discuss the news this week. Obviously, you know we're going to talk about what's going on in Israel as well, as we're going to talk about the speakership and what's going on there. Mainly Israel. Um, we're gonna, mainly this, Israel. This is our main Israel discussion. So if right this is now. what, if you want to hear a youth, couple of youthful takes a few uh, regarding takes. Israel... Yeah, we also yeah, have our friend Ariel. Right we have our friend Ariel Sakai here. Ariel, Ariel. Hi, Ariel. You Ariel. recognize Ariel from last week's episode? Yeah, or today's episode, whenever Ariel. we post it. But we're happy to have you here. Thank you. Are you happy excited? To be back. Uh, yes, excited. I'm yeah. happy to talk about it. Yeah. Spread awareness. Yeah. All right, Jack. We're happy to have Ariel. Jack, give us a brief summary. All right, so here's the latest kind of what we know so far. This is per CNN. Um, in addition to continued airstrikes, Israeli troops have carried out local raids over the past days in the Gaza Strip, searching for hostages and collecting evidence to find people taken by Hamas, the Israeli Defense Forces said. Meanwhile, Israel has amassed more than 300,000 reservists along the Gaza border for a potential full ground operation. Humanitarian concerns. Uh, the UN said the calls for the evacuation of 1.1 million people in Gaza are impossible and has urged the Israeli military to withdraw, according to Stefan. I do not want to butcher that. Um, you can see the name on CNN if you want to. Spokesperson for the UN Secretary General. Israel has blocked food, water, and fuel from coming in. Uh, attacks in Lebanon. Israel is conducting drone attacks on Hezbollah targets in Lebanon, the Israeli Defense Forces said. Uh, these are rising fears of the Lebanon-based Shia militant faction Hezbollah entering the conflict. Uh, Palestinians fled in a mass exodus Friday from northern Gaza after Israel's military told some one million people to evacuate to the southern part of the besieged territory ahead of an expected ground invasion in, retali in retaliation for the surprise attack by the ruling Hamas militant group. Sam, what is your take on this? All right, so we know this is incredibly controversial. I think, and I'm sure most people listening will know what happened last Saturday, but I think, I see, I, I'm feeling way, I'm seeing way too much, and I, I don't know how to put this right, but I think it's a totally valid. Uh, personally, I support Israel in general. That's my opinion. Not completely. Not, I mean, usually I do, but I, I, if they are putting, putting settlements into the West Bank... And doing things, I'm not going to support them outright. I'm just saying, in general, I'm Jewish. I support Israel. I support the idea of a, a Jewish homeland. But I uh, totally understand the Palestinian cause in general. But this is different. It, this was an, un, I'm not saying unprovoked in the grand scheme of things. But in, in an, as an isolated incident, the terrorist attack by Hamas in Israel was unprovoked. And I'm sure we've all seen the videos I saw the videos the night it was happening. I was on my laptop. I was watching it the night. Everything was getting posted two minutes ago. I saw all these videos of all these different Israelis being slaughtered. And then in the following days, I'm seeing videos of pro-Palestinian marches across, not even, and I also understand it from an Arab perspective. Arabs are supporting the idea of a Palestinian homeland. And, but to do that now seems wrong to me. It just seems morally wrong. I feel like, and I, I understand the Palestinian movement. I understand it. I don't always agree with it, but I understand it. But for them to support Palestine, support Gaza at this moment in time, 
it just seems wrong. It just seems like you're supporting terrorism. It's, it's, no one is differentiating the two. There's no like, oh, I, I don't support terrorism, but I do support the Palestinian movement. No, people are going to the streets and saying, resistance is justified, we need a revolution, and that directly implies they're supporting terrorism and they're supporting the deaths of innocent Israeli citizens, and I think that's very wrong. And it's, it's everywhere. It's in universities all across America. I see videos constantly. In New York City, I saw of a, a woman, a Muslim woman who was in a pro-Palestinian march, and she was at the other, the opposite side of the street. There was Israelis uh, holding some vigil or or, or uh, supporting Israel, and not Israelis, but people in America supporting Israel. And she was doing a crying, like I don't know, can't you can't visualize what I'm doing, but like rubbing her eyes, like crying and mocking the Israelis. And that particularly made me very mad. It's just way, there's just way too much. It's, you, they, there needs to be a differentiating between, um, between telling Hamas that, that what Hamas did in Israel is wrong, and it's absolutely wrong, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts. That day, the most Jews in the world, the sing, that single day, no more Jews have died than in the Holocaust. The, the, the last time more than a thousand Jews died in a day or were murdered in a day, was 1945, and so mm -hmm. it's just way too much. I, yeah. And and I see all these professional co corporations and sports teams. They put statements out on Twitter and say, "We we hope we pray for peace. We hope the people of, we pray for the people of Israel that were harmed by these terrorist attacks. We think terrorism is wrong. We pray for the people of Gaza that are being harmed by um, airstrikes." And every single comment under those tweets, and every reply is free Palestine, what are you doing? This is terrible, oh my God, why, why are you saying this? It's like saying terrorism is wrong is, is, is bad. It's like LeBron James posted on his Instagram or, or a statement with his business partner and said, we are praying for the people in Israel, we think terrorism is wrong. And every comment under that was, LeBron, what have you done? This is terrible, LeBron, what have you done? He said, like it's a crime to say ter terrorism is wrong. And the, there needs to be differentiating between the two the Palestinian movement in general, and what happened on Saturday mm -hmm. needs to be differentiated. Awesome. All right, thank you for your uh, take, Sam. Uh, before I get to Ariel's take here, um, I want to just say that this issue is very um, important to all of us. So, you know, typically in our episodes, we try to keep our news rapid and more straight to the point, but today we're just going to kind of talk about and flesh out our whole take and try to kind of express how we're feeling um, as best as possible. Um, with that said, Ariel, what is your take on this? I feel like it's become a matter of past Israel and Palestine and it's more of a humanitarian thing now because you look and you see innocent children getting murdered, getting kidnapped, women being raped. Like, I don't know, there's no justification for stuff like that. I feel like Palestinians are using this sort of like attack on Israel as a way to kind of like push the pro-Palestine movement and say, oh, this is a justification. There was no justification. You can't justify the death of a thousand Israelis murdered of it's innocent It's not the Israelis. death. It's the intentional murder and yes, slaughter. Yes. Slaughter of 1,300 okay. as of now Israelis. That's like the size of like 10 9 in the United States. You also have proportionally, to take, proportionally. Proportionally. Yeah. Proportionally, you have to take into the size that... Israel only has 14 million people. So, although a thousand, 1,300 people might not seem 
that big in the size of America, in Israel, it's a huge amount. I have family in Israel. My cousin's best friend is missing. They don't know where he is. He was taken hostage. People's families, they're gone. In Israel, there's something called kibbutzim, which are like communal farms. They kind of, they very, they're very peaceful. It's like a, it's a commune practically. It's the most peaceful place in the world. People it's don't need to, People don't feel the need to lock their doors. Everything is shared. It's all about creating community and giving, creating community. But you see these Palestinians going into these kibbutzim. I, I think we need different. Not Palestinians. Sorry, Hamas. Hamas military. Because Palestinians in general, they're that's just the normal. That's just normal people. Hamas going in there. Hamas is the terrorist group. And you that, see, these so we can't say Palestinians. Hamas, Hamas. fighters. You see these Hamas fighters going in and murdering just innocent people, having get, getting the directive to kill anyone in sight. It doesn't matter. Imagine being at a music festival and then you see something gliding in. You don't expect, oh, this person is here to kill me. That's like crazy. That's like. Yeah. I just feel like it's there's no justification for this whatsoever. Using this to say that this is a like defense and that. They have the right, and there's no justification for this. And yeah. I believe that Israel has every right to defend itself right now. And I feel like in the coming weeks, when Israel does defend itself, it's going to face a lot of backlash. But that's not fair, because Israel's given Gazan, uh, Palestinians time to flee. They've warned them. So now it's up to them to leave, because Israel is going to do whatever it has to do to defend yeah, That's itself. pretty difficult, because Gaza is enclosed, and there are 2 million people in this tiny area. So, I, I don't know. I don't know the logistics of an Israeli invasion. Can I it ask seems, you something? It seems it seems too difficult. It seems like if they go, if if Israel launches an entire ground invasion into the Gaza Strip, go after Hamas, go after terrorists. I'm all for but, that. I'm saying it, it seems logistically difficult. There are two million civilians there that are unaffiliated with Hamas. I will say two things. Hamas strategically places their I know. I know what they do under civilian areas. So they to attack Hamas's bases, they will have to attack civilian areas. It's difficult. And also I've look at the Middle East. The Middle East that. is full of Muslim countries. Israel is surrounded by Muslim countries. If Hezbollah wants to help come attack Israel, yeah. then they should bl- gladly take these one million Palestinians before they die. I feel like there should the Muslim countries surrounding Israel and Gaza should. Be more than happy to take in Muslim citizens. For all those who don't know, Hezbollah is a militant group that controls part of Lebanon, which is the country directly north of Israel, and they are starting to intervene in the conflict, and they are sending rockets towards Israel, and Israel is fighting back against them. So that's also a factor in this conflict. But I want to say this. I think it all roots down to anti-Semitism. At the end of the day, the Jews have, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, the Jews are the persecuted people, and this is just another example. We the, like the fact that there everyone has seen videos of Jews being slaughtered, but people cannot acknowledge that that is wrong. It just it, I, I don't know how to explain other than anti-Semitism, and I know that people feel very passionate about the Palestinian movement, and I understand that. But this is it, it has there's just it's two different issues to go out in the streets and march for Palestinian liberation or resistance or revolution at this moment. It's incorrect. It's it's that's just supporting terrorism. That's supporting Hamas, and some I guess some people do support terrorism, but I don't think the majority of those people that are marching support terrorism. I think they are. I I, I mean it's this is hard I, to say this for me because I'm I'm 16 years old, but I feel like they might be confused, like or or, or ignorant. I, I just don't know. I feel like a lot of them also they frankly don't care. 
to see, they don't believe in a Jewish state. They don't believe. They don't believe in a Jewish state. I feel like yes, they can be ignorant. At the same time, it does root down to. Uh, it does like boil down to deep rooted anti semitism that's been taught to them. Does that make sense? Like, if this had happened to any other minority besides the Jews, there would be a lot more media coverage, and it would. Be, I think. It would have been a I lot don't think it'll work. This is getting plenty right, of uh, plenty of media coverage. All right, guys, let's just give out a couple more of our thoughts here, but let's try to wrap it up. I'm just um, saying, the story wouldn't. There wouldn't be so much backlash against the Jews, and there would be a lot more widespread support. Just amongst everyone, if it wasn't Jews, look at Ukraine for example. You, I, I think, I think Ukraine. Wait, Sorry. We, okay. we, this we have time. Last, we have time. We last have time. thought from. Sandra. I think. I think this is getting. I'm not. I don't think the amount of media coverage is the issue. No, this sorry, gets plenty of media coverage. I'm just saying in general the way people are looking at. I this. just. I, I just think it's yeah. I mean. All right. Yeah. Um, it's there. Thank you guys for both of your takes here. Um, I'm not really gonna give a full length take, but I do want to share something. Uh, um, obviously I'm not, I mean, this isn't obvious, but I'm, I'm not very religious. I'm a Jew. I'm not quite religious, but, um, I found myself praying more often. I never really pray. And these, uh, these events have just yeah, I feel the caused same me to, you know, go sit in my room and pray for the first time. I've never really prayed. Uh, so that's just a little insight into how I'm feeling right now. Uh, I'm in no place to really give a thoughtful take because whenever I think about this, my brain gets all jumbled up. So yeah, I just get angry. But also, um, I, w- I want to say one last thing. Jack, Ariel, and I, we're all Jews. We live in Los Angeles. We're surrounded by Jews. I, I mean, I, I, I have some Palestinian, I have a Palestinian family f- friend that, I'm, that I know, but I, I don't really know the other side of the story. I mean, I, obviously there is no other side. Hamas is it's terrorism. But in general, I don't know the other side of the story. So I would take everything we're saying with a grain of salt. And I, I would happy, I'm happy to hear the other side of the story. Yeah. I'm actually curious to know, to know how Palestinians feel about what's going on. So I'm not, this isn't to say like, well, this is, this is fact. What we're saying is fact. We are, all three of us are Jewish. This is, we can't get around it. It's going to be a bias. What we're saying is going to be biased. Not that means that we don't feel this way, but I think that we ha- I have to acknowledge that that take this with a grain of salt, and we're I'm, we're compl- I'm com- at least I'm completely open to hearing the other side of the story. Awesome. All right. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you, Ariel. For thank you. Coming on here. We still have one more news headline to get to, but um, let's do this quick before we get to that. I just want to say, you know, you've heard our. I'm speaking to the audience here. You guys have heard our takes here. Uh, you know, you can totally agree with them if you do, and then you can t- totally um, <clears throat> disagree with them if you totally disagree, but if you really want to share your thoughts, we do have an Instagram, and you can, you know, don't be hesitant in DMing us. Yeah. If you disagree, are, DM, are, DM the Instagram account and tell us why. We I'd, be, are I'd be open, really interested. Um, we are open to hearing all your perspectives. That's one of our main values here is understanding yeah. every perspective, but... Um, right, let's get to the House of Representatives. Let's... Yeah, so <clears throat> the Speaker of the House is once again in jeopardy. Um, yeah, I think... S- Kev McCarthy, as we know, is... Well, he's gone. Bye-bye. <clears throat> That's the shortest Speaker tenure. <clears throat> or there's some crazy fact there. You know, it's the first yeah. time he's been ousted in a vote there. It was within a year, too. Um, <clears throat> and the Republicans have, you know, they need to pick a Speaker, right? And they have decided on Jim Jordan. 
as their selection. He's not officially elected yet, right? No, no, no. But he is the Republican. What happened? I guess to, you what say happened nominee. To, what happened to Scalise? Case? There was another guy, Scalise. But there was Steve Scalise. I think he dropped out. He did, yeah, he like dropped Jim out. Jim Jordan. He, little, I thought he won for a moment. But he a little background on uh, Jim here. He's a founding member of the Freedom Caucus as well oh, really? as a open Trump ally. Yeah. Um, so that just gives a little info into who Jim Jordan is and what he stands for. Do you guys have any takes on this issue? Yeah, I said this last week. I I I was like, I feel like it was not really. S- smart for the Democrats to team up with the really far-right wing Republicans to kick out Kevin McCarthy. I disagree. Because all that, whatever, you, you're just going to get someone worse. As I, I agree on that. So That's I, what I'm saying. Yes, I agree. I'm saying that yeah. they worked together, but it wasn't really working together, if that makes sense. I, I think It was, yeah. Uh, Ariel brings up a good point there. I do. What do you think, Sam? I, I don't like that Jim Jordan is the new house, house uh, what Speaker of the House, sorry. Um, I would honestly rather have uh, Kevin McCarthy, but I think you, the Democrats cannot vote for Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has thrown them under the bus consistently, yes, attacked yes. them consistently, and spewed lies about the Democrats yeah. consistently, and to vote for him would be saying, would be like, but cuddling up to Kevin McCarthy, yeah. who, they just can't I, do it. They just can't do it. I understand why they shouldn't have done it. Maybe they shouldn't have done it, but... You can't you can't vote for Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, at least Jim Jordan sticks to his craziness. You know, Kevin, yeah, Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy doesn't really have himself and he flip yeah. flops doesn't know what he wants. McCarthy doesn't really have like a set of core values yeah. like that he sticks to. He his values fluctuate depending on what's popular in yeah. his party to get him elected. You know, at least at least Jim Jordan's craziness is uh, you know consistent. Yeah. All right. Um, that kind of wraps. That it kind up. of wraps up the news. Uh, sorry for the long news, but I don't, no, we this don't was, say sorry. This no, was no, important no, no. to talk but about. But this was very important. Um, thank you if you and listened please, to all of this. Do your own research. Yeah, go, go read the news. Stay go, honestly, read, read one of the best news. ways to do it. Yes. I mean, read valley. Valid news. CNN. CNN. Don't just go to CNN. Go to yeah, Associated Press. MSNBC, honestly, Fox News. The if you Atlantic want to get them. is good. Fox News is good for you to get the whole scope. Oh, yeah, go look at CNN and then go look at Fox. And so you can form your own look opinions. But also, I mean, I, I wouldn't suggest going on Twitter because you're going to see violent videos I on Twitter. I wouldn't go to Twitter. And there's a lot of misinformation. Also on Instagram. Mm, I would yeah. not. I would really... I would just be wary. It's not when, for the faint yeah. of heart. If, especially if you don't yeah. like blood, rape, murder, I mean, any of that. That's not even for the faint of heart. That's yeah. just for normal, for normal people. people. But, you know, I wouldn't be... <laughs> searching on those apps for videos, I would just, um, you know, Maybe. look at your trusted news Some sources. News and then you can also look at, you know, partisan news sources. Go look at, uh, you know, CNN and then look at Fox and see what, what the differing opinions are there. I would look at Palestinian opinions and I would look at Israeli opinions so you can form your own. I, wouldn't look, I just want to just look at one. But, yeah, that's all. Um, Moral of the story, do your own research. Yes. Yeah, and we have an interview coming up from an elected official in Los Angeles. We do. We do. Let's get some insight um, into American bureaucracy and how all right. that works. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, that's all. Thank you, Ariel, thank you for, for coming Ariel. on here. Ariel will be back for this Ariel game show, is... so we'll see him in Hey, le- I want to leave you guys with this thought. Shout out Zach Lipschitz. Shout out Zach We'll Lipschitz. see you in the interview. Bye. Go. 
Uh, welcome to the interview portion of our podcast today. Uh, we have the pleasure of interviewing Assessor Jeffrey Prang. Assessor Prang has served as the Los Angeles County Assessor since 2014, when voters elected him to lead the largest local assessment agency in the nation. Raised in Warren, Michigan, Assessor Prang graduated from James Madison College at Michigan State University and holds a certificate from the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University. Assessor Prang began his career in the Los Angeles County Assessor's Office nearly three decades ago, serving as special assistant to then Assessor Kenneth P. Hahn. He later served for nearly 18 years as a council member for the city of West Hollywood, including four terms as the city's mayor. Assessor Prang's background in civic responsibility, coupled with a keen understanding of the importance of every tax dollar, has resulted in a steadfast focus to his role as assessor. His office is responsible for the appraisal of nearly $2 trillion worth of commercial and real property that generates $20 billion annually for vital public services. Mr. Assessor, welcome. Thank you. Glad, glad to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for agreeing to come on to this. We are excited. Um, when you were thinking about how do you add a little bit of excitement in your podcast, who better than the county property tax assessor to liven things up? Exactly. Absolutely. Word for word what we were thinking. Um, I Let's dive right into the first question, right? Mosquito commissioner wasn't available. <laughs> so, Mr. Assessor, you have quite the impressive resume here. Um, could you kind of walk us through how you got your start in politics? Could you just please tell us your story? Sure. I've uh, well, I've actually been interested in government and politics for as long as I can remember. I was kind of those nerdy kids who cared about what was going on in, the, in government. I read the newspaper when I was uh, little. I paid attention to... Uh, politics and and uh, so I've always really been interested I always I kind of grew up at a time when it was the, uh, the tail end of the Vietnam War the Watergate and you know racial discrimination and uh, I just really wanted to be a part of the solution to try to make our world a better place we saw these injustices and government seemed to be the place where those things could be uh, be fixed so I um I was, uh, you know, I read a lot when I was in, in school. When I went away to college, I uh, did an internship in the Michigan legislature, and uh, I actually ran for city council um, between my junior and senior year in college. Um, I got clobbered, um, but I met a lot of people. Learned, you know, I learned more than that, in that campaign than you could learn in a semester of school. Um, wow. Learned how to give speeches and think about how to talk about issues and how to meet people. It was really a great edu great education. Um, and I started getting active in the Democratic Party and got to be the president of the Young Democrats in my home, hometown, uh, County of Macomb County, Michigan. Um, that was all, all before I moved to California. I moved to California when I was 25 and got involved in politics out here and started working on campaigns. And then I got a job, as you mentioned, working for the, for the county and moved on to get elected to city council where I served for a very long time. And, in 2014, I was elected as assessor. So that's kind of a thumbnail sketch of, uh, and there's lots of other things in between, um, but uh, I won't bore you with a lot of uh, details. <laughs> that's yeah. really interesting. And I, I was, that, mm -hmm. when I was at the city council, I, know I do have to say, because they said this in my introduction, I was a mosquito commissioner. Really? 
There is such a thing. Wow. What, a, what did that look like? It's probably a vector control board. It's a, a multi-agency uh, group that deals with uh, vectors, which is like mosquitoes and other types of vermin. And it's they, they, do, they do work that people don't really know about, but every place has somebody who's, who's in charge of pests. Just scratching people's bug bites. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're, hope, we're hoping to stop the bugs before they bite. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, it's really interesting. I think Jack and I have similar reasons for being interested in politics. As you said, um, that's kind of the way that the, the first step to solving like social issues. Um, moving on, why is the Los Angeles County Assessor important? And like, what does your work entail on the daily? So, so the Assessor's Office is one of these very little known, very little understood administrative offices, you know, everybody knows what the president and the governor and the mayor are and what they do. Um, but there's a lot of offices that pr that provide a lot of really foundational services um, that make government work. Now, kind of using an analogy, if you go to a, a baseball game, everybody's focused on the players, but there's a there's thousands of other people who you know, build the stadium, clean the stadium, sell the food, manage all the resources that without those the game can't be played. And that's kind of what the assessor does. Um, so one of the ways that we provide local government services, and local government services include police and fire and libraries and parks, roads, um, public hospitals, those are paid for through taxes and primarily through property taxes. So what my job do does is we determine the value of all taxable property in the county. If you own a house uh, or you own a business property, that's all taxable. And we have to determine the value of that property so the taxes can be um, applied to it. Uh, now, now, as you mentioned in the introduction, there's about two and a half million uh, taxable real estate parcels and business assessments in the county that are valued, uh, that are assessed at about $2 trillion. And from that, we generate almost $24 billion in taxes those taxes go to the public schools, to cities, and to county services, and they pay for services that we depend that every one of us depend on every day of our, of our lives. So it's so why, why am I important? I'm, I'm kind of like on the old coal-fired coal locomotives. I'm like the engineer shoving the coal into the engine. I'm not the guy who's steering. I'm not the guy who's deciding how fast we go. I'm just in charge of making sure the government goes. So my department has about 1,400 employees. About half of them are real estate appraisers. You know, if you buy a house, they'll come out and figure out what the value of the house is, for, and that will be what your taxes are based on. So it's a really important foundational office. I always tell my employees that in a lot of ways, we're the most important local government office because no other office can do their job until we've done ours. Yeah. And if we don't do our job well, if we don't do it thoroughly, then uh, government is cheated on those resources that they need to pay for vital public services. Awesome. So I, I, I have a question kind of on that. So does your evaluation and overall, you know, taxing change based on, you know, federal policies and taxing that change with, you know, different presidents and different legislation? It does not. Uh, uh, property taxes are strictly a local and state uh, governed uh, process. So um, in California, the, the law that applies to what I, how I do my job is called Proposition 13. Uh, Prop 13 says that when you buy your house, the assessor will determine the value of the house, 
and then your taxes will be 1% of that value. And that doesn't change, except um, every year there's a very small cost of living adjustment that's no more than 2%. And so if you buy your house uh, today, you know what your taxes are gonna be for the rest of your life. It'll be whatever, you, whatever the assessment is today, plus 2% per year, uh, more or less. Um, it's important, one of the things I did wanna emphasize though, because people don't, um, this is, confuses a lot of people. I am not the property tax guy. Um, the, the, the guy who collects taxes, interestingly enough, has a very intuitive title. He's called the tax collector. Yeah. Uh, and so just to give you an idea of how, how the system works. So uh, when you buy a house, you have to you get a deed to that house. Well, I get copies of those deeds. And then we use that as a, like as a work order. We send somebody out to determine the value of the, of the property. We then turn all that data over to a different department called the Office of the Auditor Controller. And they're the ones who apply all the tax rates. And then they turn that data over to the, what's called the treasurer and tax collector. They're the ones who mail out the bills and collect the payments. So um, a lot of times people will call me the tax assessor, which is actually not, not accurate because I don't do taxes. I do property valuation. And people will call me all the time because they get their tax bill. They think something's wrong. And they'll say, what did you put on my tax bill? And I'll say, I didn't do, put anything on your tax bill. <laughs> that's not my job. Um, that's the tax collector's job. So that's kind of the, uh, uh, it's, it's a very complicated system. It was probably designed that way to keep people confused. I don't know, because it's kind of silly, but uh, that is the way it works in California. Um, so whatever, the, whatever happens with the presidency, whatever happens in Congress, that has no impact on, um, on how it's done in California. Property taxes go to local government. It's regulated by the state constitution. And um, interesting side note, since you're in school, 40% of every dollar coll uh, collected in property taxes goes to public schools. Wow. That's huge. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of money. It is indeed. All right. Um, we're going to transition to the next question. Thank you for clarifying my uh, extra question there. Um, Mr. Assessor, you have successfully restored the independent reputation of the assessor's office since taking over from your predecessor. This is huge. How did you do it? So, um, so for your listeners who may not, I'm sure that nobody knows about this, but back in uh, 2012, the previous assessor um, was arrested and charged with corruption for bribery and for granting special favors. He's not been in trial yet, so he's still he's still not been found guilty, but but uh, been going on for a very long time. But it was uh, obviously the accusations, the you know, the district attorney raided the office, and it was a real mess. And you know, pe you know, people need to know that the folks in charge of an office like this have integrity and are doing it with honesty. And that was really shaken back then. So um, when I was elected in 2014, that was our first mission was to restore public confidence. So we did a lot of things to, you know, we, we invested in security and technology that would uh, make it more difficult to abuse the system. We tightened up policies to ensure that uh, nobody had singular uh, decision-making over valuations. Um, we, uh, uh, we prevented uh, a certain type of industry uh, lobbyist from donating money to the assessor's office. We wrote a new ethics policy um, I established a policy of not taking money from uh, uh, from employees because the previous assessors did. And so we've done a lot to restore confidence. In fact, uh, 
within two years after I got elected, we were um, we got we got this big international award called the Certificate of Excellence in Assessment Administration. We're the only California county to ever be recognized. It is our national association came in to look at how we do our job, um, and they said that we are one of the uh, the the best in the uh, in the country. So uh, we've done a really good job of trying to dispel that past uh, scandal associated with the office and build a public agency where members of the public can feel good that they're being well served and that they uh, that they can trust us because that's the most important because we're at a certain point we're dealing with the public's money and uh, they want to know that their money is being being uh, handled correctly, spent well, and responsibly. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. That's really impressive. Um, to move on, we know that when you were younger, you were a staffer to City Councilwoman Ruth uh, Gallanter. So you have personal experience working within the City Council. Do you think that the proposal to expand Los Angeles City Council from 15 to 23 members, or what do you think about that? I phrase that better. I think it should be expanded. Um, you know, New York and Chicago both have about 50 members of the city council. Chicago is a little bit smaller, but similar in size to Los Angeles. Um, I also know from my time working for Ruth Galanter that if you're a member of the public, if you're just, you know, Joe or Jane citizen, and you call the city council member's office and want to talk to the council member, you can't. They will never let you get through in where you can actually speak to a council member, or at least it would be pretty rare. Not because they're arrogant or don't want to recall, but they've got five, you know, uh, 300,000 constituents. It would be just infeasible for them to be able to take the call and have direct contact with their constituents on a one-to-one -one basis. So they're always, um, I, I, I think that's a problem. Um, I, think, I think elected officials should be accessible to the, uh, uh, to the people that they represent. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't have to be filtered through a, uh, through a staff member, but they represent too many people. And the districts are too diverse. You have different parts of the district that have nothing in common geographically, demographically, socioeconomically with other parts of the uh, of those districts. So I think it's important to uh, increase the number of representatives that will help uh, diversity. But here's also where I think it could be important. It, it further breaks up power of individual council members. Right now, there's 15 council members. They have enormous amounts of individual power. They have, um, they're, they're almost like the kings, of, kings of, of their district. They get to say thumbs up or thumbs down on development projects and all types of other uh, issues. And the other council members will defer to them on those district level, um, level issues. And because there's so few of them, power is really concentrated. I think government is served better when power is more dissipated. Yeah. Um, it requires them to build coalitions. Nobody can ever really amass too much individual power uh, with a large number unless they enlist the support of, uh, of others. I also think that the smaller districts mean smaller population, which means it's easier to campaign for challengers uh, who may want who have, may have a different opinion, may want to challenge the incumbent. Uh, you don't have to spend as much money. Uh, incumbent council members you know, spend probably spend upwards of a million dollars in there or, or more to get to get elected. Uh, entirely too expensive for uh, for democracy. We need to bring the cost down by making the districts more um, more more manageable. I think they need to get this on the ballot as quickly as possible. I don't have. I'm not committed to uh, a particular number, but I'm not afraid of the numbers that they have in New York and uh, Chicago. But I think they need to get that number at least up into the uh, 
minimally into the 20s. Yeah, I feel like that could also help prevent corruption, like you're discussing earlier, with less concentrated it, power. It, it would, because they don't have, it, I, I mean, ideally, I think there should be a little, little bit more reform in addition to just the, uh, uh, just the uh, increase in numbers. I think uh, in Los Angeles City has what's considered a weak mayor system and a strong council. And particularly when it comes to land use, council members have a final say on land use in their district. I think that needs to be reduced. I think they need, we need to minimize, uh, reduce the amount of authority they have over those um, and the amount of individual power and, and create a structure where there's more, more consensus and coalition building where the power is spread more, uh, uh, more evenly amongst more, more people. Yeah, <laughs> I agree to your point about how expanding it will allow these, you know, smaller communities to be more directly and accurately represented in the city council. Oh, um, that. Real difficulty the Jack. Sorry, Jack, we lost think... you there for a second. Yeah, Sorry. we lost you there for a sec. Just lagged out for a sec. Uh, I was saying, I I think it's important for these smaller communities to be. I think it's important for the city council to expand because then these smaller communities are represented more accurately, right? So and more effectively. Los Angeles City is a very diverse city, and uh, yeah, but uh, and there's a lot of communities where it would be good to have uh, representation. Um, and uh, expanding the number of city council members will ensure that we have that uh, that opportunity to, uh, to to find a seat at the table for. Um, smaller demographic groups that may not have been represented previously. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, totally. Okay, so our next question here, um, we know that Governor Bill Richardson passed away recently and that you were one of his co-chairs of his presidential campaign. Um, what was the experience like co-chairing a presidential campaign? Well, uh, and we also know about Bill Richardson public accomplishments, but what was the private Bill Richardson like? Well, um, truthfully, uh, I, I didn't co-chair his campaign. I was his uh, national LGBTQ um, co-chair, which is a little bit little bit different. Just uh, I was an advisor to him on uh, issues affecting the LGBTQ plus, plus community. Uh, he was, uh, I have to say, I think that the governor was what you saw. He was calm, he was thoughtful, he was knowledgeable. He uh, um, he didn't exhibit the type of charisma that you might see with some politicians. He didn't give those speeches that made people cry or jump to their jump to their feet. But he was profoundly competent. This was a man who was a member of Congress. He was the United Nations ambassador. He was a he was a, a governor. He was the Secretary of Energy. He knew how to government how government ran. He knew how to get things done. Um, he did so even though he was a it was a Democrat, he was a very proud Democrat, but he was also a results-driven uh, leader who could work with opponents, who could work with Republicans in order to get good policies done. But he had a he had this unique skill, which you, which really uh, probably has never gotten um, the type of uh, accolades that it really deserves. You know, he's like the one American who could go to North Korea and deal with North Korean leaders. And get Americans freed from uh, from prison. He was able to he, he was able to deal with the worst tyrants in the world uh, on behalf of this country, in particular on behalf of people who are being abused by those uh, 
uh, those, those titles. This was some tremendous uh, diplomatic skills. Um, I got to know him throughout the course of his campaign. Um, everything that I liked about him, just observing him as a leader, was exactly who he was in uh, in real life. I was really sad to see that uh, uh, here of his passing. He was uh, still a relatively young man compared to some of the other leaders we have in uh, in Washington. But he 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 was just an incredible American patriot who did uh, so much service to this country, and we all owe him a great debt of gratitude. Yeah, well, thank you for giving us insight into uh, Governor Richardson's accomplishments. Um, now we're going to move on to our what we call our lightning round. So this is more general, like fun, personal questions. Um, so to begin, you were mayor of West Hollywood for a period of time. What is your favorite restaurant in West Hollywood? My favorite restaurant in West Hollywood, I'm, I'm distressed to say, just closed. It was called the Gardens of Taxco. It's a shame. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, a very traditional Mexican restaurant. They did not serve a lot of traditional Mexican food like tacos and enchiladas, but it was a, kind of what they call a Mexican, Mexico City style uh, restaurant. It was fabulous. They didn't have menus. In fact, the uh, the, the waiters would tell you the menu, and they, it was almost like a show the way they would uh, uh, tell the menu. The food was really good. It was plentiful. It was like every everybody got like a seven course meal. Uh, including dessert and a glass of sherry at the end, end of your uh, end of your meal. It was really a great restaurant. I'm sorry it uh, just recently closed after decades. Wow. Yeah. That sounds yeah. awesome. I, I wish I could try that place. Um, our second lightning round question is, what is your favorite sports team? This doesn't have to be just one, but, you know, you could tell us about a couple that you like. Well, you know, I'm an LA. I'm, I may have grown up in Michigan. I'm an LA guy now. It has to be the has to be the Dodgers. Yep. Sure. Yep. Good call. We had so, a rough loss yesterday, though. Yeah. The uh, you know it's uh it's the problem with being a sports fan is that uh, you uh, you have days of exhilaration and days of uh, days of disappointment. Exactly. Lots of disappointment. But, uh, we keep our fingers crossed and we root for them, and uh, and uh, we still. If we can't do it this year, we'll do it next year. Exactly. Yep. I like that. I like that approach. All right. Our final lightning round question. What is your all-time favorite vacation spot anywhere in the world? All-time favorite? Well, probably the place, it must be the place I've gone the most often, and that's uh, Puerto Vallarta. Oh, nice. Well, why, why there? I'm sorry? Why, why is that your favorite place? Oh, well, it's uh, it's it's a great tropical uh couple vacation it's on the it's on on the ocean they have great local cuisine uh and shopping it's got it's an old uh old spanish uh city with uh has all the, the modern elements of modern resorts but also has the uh, uh the, the quaint mexican spanish town and i just been there several times and always have a really great time if you like the beaches i got great beaches and and uh in a couple of years, when you can appreciate that, they have a, some nice places to get a to get a drink. Yeah, yeah. I I've never been, but I would love to go. Um, I think that concludes our questions. Thank you so much. You give great insight on American government and bureaucracy, if I can say that correctly. Um, yeah. Thank you for thank you for being here. Thank you very much for inviting me. This was great. If, uh, if I can ever come back and do it again, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to do it. This was a great show. Good, good luck to you. I hope this is really successful for you.
Thank, thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks a lot. Take care. moderator for the last game show he has prepared six questions for us he's gonna give three to greenberg three to me and this is oh, not just a culture vulture whoa it's not just you know history geography we're gonna throw in some pop culture questions if here. jack wins this he ties it up if five i win this we tie it and then i don't know what happens we'll figure it what out. if you guys make this just two points it's the finale it should be worth double all right, yeah. I don't know. No, no. We'll, no, we'll cross that road when we okay. get there. No, we have right? to go. We're doing it double, we'll cross... double or nothing. No, because then if you win it, no, we're doing it. Two oh, points. Double or nothing. Two points right now. Okay. You guys you have just ready? seen. Um, All right, let's go. Yeah, go. So with. Wait, who's question? Who's question? question to? Is, I thought we could do it like buzzer style. No, 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 no buzzer no, style. Three for Greenberg, three for me. That's oh, right. Hey, let's start with. Greenberg. Yes. Greenberg. I like the pressure, Sam. I'll keep it, I'll keep it modern with you. Um, can you name me Olivia Rodrigo is the name of her most recent album? Oh, no, I, can't. I know. I can't steal, though. Can't. Why? We should do steals. No, we're at no, steals. no. We can't know. do steals. I have no, we never I have no idea. Can, can your question... I'm not are, about to lose the season because of this. Can his question trickle down to you? No, 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 no. But I'll answer, but I don't get the point. Okay. Is it Vampire? That is her song. Oh. It, it's Guts. Okay. Awesome. I have no so Greenberg's idea. 0 for 1. No what am, shoot your shot. Can you name me one of Taylor Swift's exes? That's so easy. That's so easy. No. Jason Hall. That's okay, fine, fine. Okay, okay, I'll give you I one. don't think that's very fair. Give me, a, give me another one. I'll give you a pretty difficult one, okay. actually. Can you name me a real housewife of Beverly Hills, past or current? <sighs> oh my god, it is. Oh, I, I know what it is. I can't. I know Dude, I don't watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. All right, well, is there one name's Lori? Lori something. Lori, Lori. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can name you a couple. Okay. Kathy Hilton. All right, we don't need your name. Kylie All right. All right, let's go, Ariel. Thank you, Ariel. thank you, Ariel. Greenberg and I are both zero for one. Okay, Sam. Yeah. Your question is: Can you name me? Can you name me? Ariel, let's go. Who? Who? Name ten books. Name me one artist SZA has made collaborations with. What? Travis Scott. Okay, yeah. It's the easiest quiz no, I've ever not. heard. No, it's not. No, it's, for him to know SZA, I feel like that would be. Get out of here. But he definitely listened to the Travis album. No, I didn't. Get out of here. Okay, that's my point. Can that's you, my point. Can you name me? They're fine. fine. Can you name me two songs from SZA's new album? No. No. Yes! I can't. I can't. Yes! One song. Doves in the Wind. That's an old song. No. Yes! Yeah, no, I can't. Greenberg's up. No, that's this Travis. is for the win right now. That's Bye. Travis's album. That's I know, Susan's, I know, right? I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know. Sam, okay. let's stop yapping. This is for the win. Sam, am I? For that, I'm trying, Sam, can you oh name me no. two of the actors? No, three of the actors and actresses from Grey's Anatomy. Two. Oh, it's over. Patrick Dempsey. Oh, three, three. No, two. Three. No, he said three. Three. Patrick Dempsey. Dude, even if you get this wrong and I get the next one wrong, you win. I know Patrick Dempsey, that's it. Can I give it to Jack to steal? No, no I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. These are the dumbest questions. All right. These are... <clears throat> okay, let me think of a good last question. All right. Uh, Quickly, shalom, please. Shalom, shalom, Maybe oh. the two stars 
Uh, the controversial movie Don't Worry Darling. Oh my god, Florence Pugh, Harry Styles. Yeah! <laughs> Quit playing with me, Greenberg. No, it's oh, tied. No. Sudden Death. Sudden Death. Alright. No, yeah, sudden, yeah, sudden Death. death. Alright, you mean- remember to ask like historical questions too. You can still throw those. Ah, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> Name me 10 Taylor Swift songs. Oh, that's rough. Blank Space. Damn. Wait, okay, this cool. is your go. 22. Yeah. Trouble. Haunted. Whoa. That came out of nowhere. Okay. Um, Remember, I'm going to do charades. Me. Look, you can get this one. Me. Um, stop, stop, stop. Dude, um, this is a song. Style, style, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's a song. A... I think that's a song. Um, from the new album. Red, right? Oh, uh, that's a song, or, right? Or, okay, wait. The one with Jake Gyllenhaal. You got trouble wrong. The whole name of the song is I Knew You Were Trouble. Okay. No, that, I, that counts. I'm going to disappoint it. The one with Jake Gyllenhaal, the red, counts. when it was red, when she was red. Okay. You're missing a couple big ones. Um, See, the problem, red is, okay, yes, yes, yes. Red. yes. Um, okay, I, have, I need three more. Her recent album. I don't like listen to her recent album. I don't um, either, bro. The one where it's like, uh, it's 7 a.m. What's that one called? I can't tell you. That's my song. It's 7 a.m. Come on. Yeah. I get I get that. <sighs> it's actually Jack if he wants to. Yeah, I'll that. give him that. Yeah. What? He deserves that. You, he still yeah, has to name two problem. more. I don't it's know. It's me. It, yeah, I'm the problem. Is I, that the same song? No, it's in one. No, it's I can't. Dude, I don't know. Hi. Yeah, I get that point. Come on. Yeah, I get that right. point. If I right, sing a lyric more, from a song, more, that counts. One more, one more. I get to sing a, li- a lyric counts. A lyric? A lyric counts, for sure. One more. Wait, but if he gets this, you still have to ask Shake it, it yeah. off. Did yeah, I really yeah, say that? Yeah, no, oh, he didn't. didn't. He did I was acting it out, and he was oh. like, no, Shake song. Shake it off. Yeah, Taylor Swift songs. Future song, Travis Kelsey. I'm not Travis Kelsey. Stop. This is really stressful. This is for the win. My, yeah. Oh, this is, oh shit. Creeper, sit down. All right, hurry. This is all being recorded. Can you name me? I don't know if you can do this. I don't know why. I don't know if I'm asking you. Can you name me four Nicki Minaj songs? <laughs> <laughs> Wop, Wop. No. That's Megan that, Thee Stallion. She's Cardi on B. it. That's, that's, that's Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B. Like her own songs? Yeah, or she can feature on it, but she did oh. not feature on Wop. Oriel's like she did not picture. Okay, I know what her fan base is called though. Barbies. It doesn't count. Barbs. Barbs. I feel like this is really easy. I think this is really easy. The Barbie song. The Barbie song. Sing it. Oh no, Barbie. Yeah, that's one. Okay. But I still want to potty. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's Ice Spice though. Bro. That is crazy. Ariel's doing some crazy off-screen antics right now. No, I'm talking about you. All right, you're talking to me. You can get clues. Um, you can sing it also. Yes! Yes! Anaconda! Let's go. My Anaconda. All right, man. Three more, three more? Two more. Two more. Woo! There's a crazy one where she's like, oh, there's a really good one. I think you'll get it. I'm thinking of one right now. Wow, I can look at Wasn't she on a famous Kanye song? Which one? But that doesn't count, right? No, that counts. Yeah, she can be featured on it. I don't know, though. Ah, shoot. No. That's she's monster. not on Monster, right? I'm a monster. She might be. No, she's not no. on Monster. Is she on. She... Oh. You got Monster. No! You, you oh, 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 oh. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Um, 
Okay, you have this. We have a time limit. Thirty. No, no, no. Stop. She's on a David Guetta song. Okay, which one? Right. Yes. Jack. Oh, she's on a David Guetta song. That's all I know. Um, um, um. It's I know the wallpaper is like it looks like red and like gray and oh my god. Set a set a twenty second shot clock. Twenty. Nineteen. I love it. I love it. I love it when they count me out. Um, 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 um. David Guetta. And there's other people on that song. Including the human eye. Is Pitbull on it? Maybe. I can't tell you. Uh, Flo Rida's on it. Flo Rida is on that song. What is Club Can't Handle Me? I'm so sorry. It is where they wrote that. So many Starships are messes Oh, no way! I got yeah, starships. I was thinking that way all day. Jack, that was really easy. No, all right. Starships. Hey guys, that concludes the first season of a youthful take podcast. Those are ten episodes. We will be back shortly with updated technology, some new ideas. Um, Sam Greenberg wins the game show section, so I will be coming up with a punishment for Jack. Um, for for episode one of the new season, which will, which will be done then. Signing off. Thank you for listening. All right, hold on. Oh. Let me address the viewers here. Thank you guys for listening. It's been, um, it's this, been, a, it's this, been a journey. You know, this started as a just an idea between Sam and I, and it's it's truly grown pretty. It's look, nice. it's it's we don't have that many followers, but we've got some. You know, we got some fans. We've got some, some heart. We've got fans. We've got heart, and we've got some really cool people on the podcast. And so we want to shout thank- out Congressman Phillips. Shout out. Hmm? Shout out, uh, Assessor Prang. Assessor Prang from t- this episode. Yes. Shout out our teacher, Mr. Sinclair. Shout, Shout out. out. All right, that's sorry for Ariel. Sorry, Ariel. For, sorry for Ariel's TikTok um, in the background. Shout out. Let's think. About Shout that. out Zach Lipschitz. Shout out our in- inaugural episode, um, Brian Van Riper. Shout out. Obviously. Bob Burke. Shout out our friend Jonah Schweitzer. Shout Great out episode. my brother Ted Greenberg. Shout out all of our friends. Shout out August Ditcher. August, that. Yep. that was a nice little episode there. Um, I think Shout out Jay. Shout out my cousin Paul Jay. Yep. And yeah. Um, I think that's everyone. Wow. Uh, oh yeah, and then shout out our friends Ariel, Grant, Sam, Joe, and Xander for yep. doing the only recent episode. The and off. especially uh, shout out Zach Lipschitz. Shout out Zach Lipschitz. You know, shout this has out. been season one of the Youthful Take. It's been quite a ride. This is Jack Stalford signing off. Sam Greenberg signing off. Peace.